0: Hey everybody, thanks for coming. I'm really glad that we get a chance to talk today about the seven stages of life. And when I was putting this talk together, I wanted to put a a subheading on it. So it would have been, the seven stages of life. Life is hard, but only for six days. I didn't do it because people would think that was weird, and they would think, it doesn't make any sense, it's not true, because they would say. I've been alive for a long time, and life has been hard for much longer than since last Saturday. But, but we're not talking about physical days here. We're talking about spiritual days. And the Bible begins by talking about spiritual days. So if you open up the Word of God, and you look right in the beginning where it says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. That's talking about us. And the days of creation that happen to, to kick the whole thing off are showing us the seven stages of spiritual life that we all go through. So these seven days of creation are the seven stages in our spiritual life. And what I want to do today is unpack those days so that we can start to recognize them in ourselves. So we can get a little context for our spiritual journey and get a sense of where it's headed. As well as get a sense of why, why does the Bible start like that? And why do those things happen in that order? How can you have the light appearing multiple days before the sun and the moon appear? What does it all mean? I want to give a little disclaimer though about these stages because I was wrestling with this as I was looking into this topic and I'm convinced that the stages of spiritual growth don't play out in overt, obvious, chronological order in your life. You can't say, in May I was in stage one and so now I'm in stage five and then I'll be done. I think that these are cyclical stages that you go through multiple times, but as you advance higher and higher in your spiritual growth, they become different. I think they can nest on top of each other. I don't believe you can easily look at your life and say, I'm in in stage five right now. I'm a stage five clinger, isn't that what they say? But I do think that as, as I'm studying these, I can very clearly think of instances in my life that that was a stage two moment there. That was a day for moment for me. And so what I want to do as we go through these is I'm going to give you how I believe I've seen some of these play out in my own life, and you can transpose and um, learn from my bad example of what not to do. So we're going to begin with stage one, and stage one is really a pre-stage. This is before spiritual growth starts it's what leads right up to it. And these days are not the story of our physical life. I'm not going to be talking to you about how when you're six, you start to lose your teeth, or you're, you're awkward from 10 to 20. That's not the stages. That's a different story. This first stage, even though it's pre-spiritual creation, we can be quite conscious and believe that we have things pretty much figured out, when the whole process hasn't even begun. So in stage one, we start with the beginning of the creation story. And the second verse, right after the one we just saw about God creating heaven and earth, it says, how do we start? Start friendly. And the earth was void and emptiness, and there was darkness on the face of the abyss. And the Spirit of God was constantly moving on the face of the water. So that void and emptiness is us. Not that we're not conscious, not that we're empty of conscious experience, but the void is when we start where we have no awareness of anything outside our me-centered universe. I had a blazing case of this when I was a teenager I just remember very clearly, I, 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 was, I was conscious, and I had relationships, That I did find things. I was, a, I was not a, a, a dangerous person, but I completely revolved around myself. And the idea that, a lot of the time, the idea that these other human beings that were ca- sort of characters in my life, that they were as conscious as I was, and that they had their own kind of life, didn't register at all. For example, I think, you know, I can't still get in trouble for this, just kidding. So I used to go to school here on this campus at the academy, and there was a dormitory that I was staying in. So for 11th and 12th grade, I did the, this prep school and I was in the dormitory there. And at that dormitory, they had some rules because we were minors. So. They said, for example, you can't just go wandering out of this dorm, you have to sign out. You have to be with some kind of responsible adult when you're going and doing that. And on top of that, there was a curfew. So after a certain time at night, you're not allowed to go out past that curfew. And so, everybody stayed in at night. I'm just kidding, people snuck out. People snuck out and I snuck out sometimes. And when I was doing it, I was thinking, let's see if I can do this, this is dangerous, this is fun, I want to try to be cool, and sometimes it would work, and I would get out and come back in, and nobody would ever know I was gone, and sometimes it wouldn't, and I would get caught, and I would say, this is so lame, I would rage against the man for a little while, and I would do my whatever I had to do, like clean things up or whatever the demerits were, and that's about the scope of my experience to me, that's that's what the whole game was, do I get caught, do I not get caught? because the lights weren't on to the fact that there are more people in this situation that have their own lives. So fast forward a couple of years, and I was in college now, and actually I became for, I think a, t- a term or two, a resident assistant there, which means that you are the person who's in charge of enforcing rules. For younger students, there was, there was. Um, rules about alcohol consumption and this kind of stuff. So I had to bust people, and I just remember the agony of who comes through the door, and you know that they've been breaking a rule, and you have to make this call. Of do I need to confront them about this? Do I need to punish them about this? And the feeling of being on my shift and having this person suddenly push the edges of what they're allowed to do, and I have to make this call. I didn't like that. It wasn't fun. And I realized that as I was having to go through this, oh, that's what the people in charge of me at the dorm were feeling. Oh, they didn't, when I was thinking, like, I'm playing this fun game, they didn't want to have to bust me. There's, oh, Curtis is doing this, now I'm disrupted. That would have not occurred to me at all, because I was, in some ways, an empty void. I had things that I wanted, but they were mostly self-centered. I, the cool, if, I, if you had to say, Curtis, what would you want more than anything? I don't think I would have said world peace. I would have said, well, I want to be really cool and, and famous and have everyone like me, or I'll be the most popular person around, which is fine. It's not evil. Everybody starts in the void, but the lights aren't on. So even in that stage, though, we have the Spirit of God constantly moving over the face of the waters. Because even if I'm wrapped up in my Curtis-centric world, God knows, like, this guy can actually be a stand-up guy at some point. I can, I can let him in to this knowledge that there's, there's other people and that there's actually a better life waiting for you out there in which you care about people and they care about you and you do unto them as you'd want them to do you. So, that God is hovering there and knowing This is something that we can improve. So I'm going to read a little bit out of New Church Theology about this. I have each little stage that we go through. I just have a quick quote on the meaning of that stage. It's from Secrets of Heaven number seven. The first stage is preliminary, extending from infancy to just before regeneration. Regeneration. So the story of our spiritual creation starts at regeneration, which is another word for spiritual growth. For the beginning of our rebirth, where we go from being asleep, self-centered, um, materialistic, selfish, asleep, to our creation as like a full, living, breathing, loving human being. Just before regeneration, and it's called void, emptiness and darkness. The first stirring, which is the Lord's mercy, mercy being I'm going to reach out to someone who needs my help, so it's God looking down at me and saying, poor little guy, I'm going to to help you out, is the Spirit of God in constant motion on the face of the water. So we've got God deciding at some point, it's time for me to turn the lights on for Curtis. I'm going to hit that light switch, and that moves us into stage two. Stage two actually encompasses two of the days in the creation story, but both of these days, you'll notice, are about making a distinction between things. Stage two is when we start to recognize the difference between what's helpful and what's harmful. So, the text of that reads, this is probably the most famous day of the creation story, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Just physically, it's strange. Why do you need light first? There's nobody around to see anything. Why are we adding this basically luxury item to creation so early on? But when you know it's about the state of your own mind, when you're already up and conscious, but you just can't tell the difference between doing things just for yourself and that there's a a greater world you're called into. makes all the sense in the world. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light and that it was good, and God made a distinction between light and darkness. So this day of creation is about, oh, now I can tell there's some things that are light and some things that are dark. And the next day says, and God said, let there be an expanse in the middle of the waters. And let it exist to make a distinction among the waters in the waters. So we've got light and darkness, but also now there's a sea in the sky. What was just void and formless is now something where you can tell that there's categories in it. What we're going through in this day is described like this. In the second stage... A distinction is drawn between the things that are the Lord's and the things that are our own. The things that are the Lord's are called a remnant in the Word. So there is in us this thing that remnant is this kind of clumsy word for it, but what it's actually describing is all the little treasures in your spirit. In this instance, the remnant refers principally to religious knowledge acquired from early childhood on, and in other places, it's described as not just the spiritual ideals that move you, but every single experience you've had of love and peace and innocence. Everything good that's touched your heart since you were a little kid, genuinely good stuff. And this is something that Divine Providence, or God's guidance of everything, makes sure everyone has a store of this. Regardless of how hard their childhood is, everyone is given some experiences of what life is really about. And God has got these squirreled away somewhere in us, and they're waiting. As we become void and formless, and as as everybody does, we get sucked into ego stuff, The remnant is there, and it's waiting for the moment when our creation begins to be deployed. At present, the second stage rarely comes into play without trouble, misfortune, and grief. So, second stage is turbulence in the spiritual flight. If you're going through the second stage, it's not smooth sailing and why would that be this trouble misfortune and grief enables bodily and worldly concerns to fade away and in effect to die out so if you've ever had something really disrupt your life or I'll just I said I was going to speak for myself so I'll speak for myself when things are going well for me I don't care that much about being good. I don't care that much about spiritual stuff and religious stuff. It's there, and I, I you know, wave to it when I see it, but I'm just going to keep doing whatever's fun and whatever's working. But when stuff comes up in our life, for example, if you have a health scare or something, right away, what's important comes into focus. And for me, as I began to have my first struggles in life. I had some, you know, when I was becoming a young adult, I had some struggles with depression, anxiety. That's when I really became interested in, oh, is there God out there? I need help. What, what's the right way to live? This, we can't get the motivation to start to really change our life if our life isn't disrupted. So, God will use the difficult things that come up in our life to separate that stuff, so we can start to see, it's just like, it's a movie cliche somebody who's some kind of high-powered lawyer, and he doesn't spend much time with his kids, but then something happens, and he realizes family is what's important. Everybody knows that there's something about that story. This is what's happening in us as we're moving into our next stages. The things that belong to the outer self, then, are separated from those that belong to the inner self. And the inner self containing the remnant the Lord has put aside to await this time and purpose. So everything good, everything, all the innocence, all the real stuff that's touched our heart and then our, our guiding principles of things that have come to us through our religion or through our life that we really see as this north star for us. That's all waiting there. God sees that we're ready to start and the light switch goes on. And I've seen this for myself. I definitely, when I was in those struggles that I was mentioning a little while ago with uh, depression and anxiety, I definitely, that was the first time I ever thought of religious stuff as something that was real and something that I really needed. That that was the first time when I ever really would try to hang on to principles despite what was going on in my mind. So, for example, I used to always be at the mercy of whatever the, the mood of the room was in my mind. So, if I was getting these feelings and thoughts like, oh, life is really difficult, things are going wrong, and that's how it felt, and that's how it seemed, I would just assume that's how it is, because there was no distinction to me. It was just, this is what is. But as I started to encounter these principles in new church theology that said, oh, actually, God is taking care of everything, and God is using every little moment to put you closer and closer to this state of happiness, I would be able to, when that storm came, hold on to, and sometimes even just repeat in my own mind, like, Lord is my shepherd, or divine providence, you know, has a plan. And I would be able to make this distinction between what seemed to be going on and what I believed was actually going on in life. That's what we get in stage two. Once that transition has started, once we begin to wake up and see that as he puts it at one point, that goodness and truth are something transcendent, that there is a better life out there, there is a a more accurate description of what's really going on, and it's a much friendlier and more freeing description, and that there's a kind of life we can get called to that is uh, a lot more meaningful and a lot ultimately happier, we begin to be able to act on that, and that's what brings us to stage three. In stage three, we start to have things growing. It says and God said let the waters under heaven be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear and it was done and God said let the earth cause the sprouting on the earth of the tender plant and of the plant bearing its seed and the fruit tree making the fruit that holds its seed each in the way of its kind and so it was done so we've got more distinction separating out water now you've got land but for the first time things are starting to grow. The third stage, so I'll read from Secrets of Heaven, the third stage is one of repentance. Repentance is, I'm looking at my life and I'm thinking, what, it's like pruning, what, what do I want to lean into more and what do I think, this is not helping me or anyone else to have me devoting my time and energy to that. During this time, at the prompting of the inner self, we speak devoutly and reverently and yield a good harvest, act of neighborly kindness, for instance. These effects are relatively lifeless because we suppose that they come of our own doing. So in this, we start to have these little things sprout up in us. Going back to my story, I'd had this shakeup of my life. I'd started to see God and the pursuit of what's good and true as something that actually exists and something that I can actually lean on and look for and reach for when I need help. And since I had that and I began to be moved by that, I started to think, well, I'm going to, I'm going to base my life on this. And so I'm going to, from the sort of emptiness and despair I felt, I'm going to start to try to do good things. I'm going to follow these principles. I'm going to be nice. So in our lives, we begin to have a little bit of a change in our behavior. It's just like a little shrub that's sprouting up because we don't yet really realize the actual role God plays in our lives. We're doing it, we're sort of changed just because we've had this shakeup. There's actually more living things that can motivate us that come in the next stages, but we're starting to grow a little something. The void is gone, the land is there, and an ecosystem, an ecosystem of good actions, kind words, kind thoughts, true insights is starting to sprout and grow. So we'll see what comes in our story next after we take a second to, to hear some songs and, and let this sink in to our hearts.
1: Good morning. Um, we'd like to, Ray and I would like to begin with a song by great Canadian songwriter named Bruce Coburn. And this song is called He Came From the Mountains. He came from the mountains to walk among the wounded. They wouldn't see him but the snow would So we could see like him
0: Awesome, so the next three days that we're getting into here actually parallel the first three days, and this is something that I first was turned on to by Dave Childs, who I think is right there, but I can't see, because we have, we've completed like a cycle of our spiritual growth, that we go from we don't know anything, no offense, to we're starting to do good things and starting to feel the, the effects of that, because this is not just about, well, you should start doing more good things. This is the whole reason God is hovering on the face of the water is for us, because God wants to make us happy and can tell, is God is like the ultimate life coach, looking at us and saying, you know, if you didn't do that and you did that. You'd really see these results that you're looking for, so we've gotten through that first stage The next three are the first three, but actually alive So in stage four We're talking about light again First day we're having the creation of light, but now we're actually getting a source for lights and we're getting two of them much better deal Much more cost economical second day. So it says, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to make a distinction between day and night, and they will act as signals and will be used for seasons for both the days and the years, and they will act as lights in the expanse of the heavens to shed light on the earth, and so it was done." now we're getting the sun and the moon. Before you just got light, but now we have this burning ball of energy and this big reflective sphere. In Secrets of Heaven, it says, in the fourth stage, love stirs and faith enlightens us. Before this time, we might have spoken devoutly and yielded a good harvest. So, we might have been starting to be spiritual, but we did so in a state of trial and anguish, not at the call of faith and kindness. In consequence, they are now kindled in our inner self and are called the two lights. So, the lights are faith and kindness, or faith and love, whereas before, what was driving us was we're snapped out of whatever we're in, we had some kind of distress. Basically, we had to swim or we would sink. But now, In our lives, we're starting to get to the point where we want to do good stuff. We want to live in this spiritual way. From here on out, I don't know exactly if and when I've experienced these stages, but I've certainly had times in my life that I feel like they're like day four. So I'll illustrate it through something that has nothing to do with my life, which is a story of Christmas Carol with Ebenezer Scrooge in it. Have you all read that or seen a movie of it? Well, I'll catch you up if you haven't. This guy named Scrooge This is another kind of a movie trope or has become one where he's very self-centered. He's, Scrooge is in the void. He's without form. He's lived a whole life. He's been very successful in business, but he doesn't care about the suffering that he inflicts on other people. He doesn't care. He doesn't know about love. He didn't know why life is like it is, and he's definitely not aware of any kind of higher power or the, the stirring of the Lord. So what happens to him is he has these spirits come and visit him at night. He has the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas future, and they show him that basically the effects that his life has had on people, and he gains this new perspective, And but he's also distressed because At the end it shows the path path that he would go on if he kept living how he would live is that he would die and everyone wouldn't really be that sad that he died because he'd caused so much harm and he wouldn't have really gotten the point of life. In the morning when he wakes up, he is so hyped to be alive. He looks out the window and says to this I'm thinking of the Muppet version of this as I tell it to you because that's, that's my favorite movie. So he looks out the window, we'll just go with the Muppet. He looks out the window and sees this little bunny running across who he had been un- unfeeling toward before and he says, what's today? Oh no, my accent. What's today, my fine fellow? And he, the little bunny says, well, it's Christmas. And he says, they did it all in one night. And the bunny doesn't know what he's talking about. But what he's saying is, I can't believe, this is paraphrasing his whole experience for the rest of the movie is, I can't believe that I have time to now live this way. I can't believe that this is what life is about. And I have what before would have just been to him, it's another week, I've got to make sure that the people I'm doing business with don't somehow get the better of me. But now he's feeling, I cannot believe I have the chance to live in love and, and kindness today. I've had moments of that when I get really deeply into the spirituality stuff is alive for me and it works in my own life and it changes it and I realize that it's the kind of thing you can tell someone else and it will have that impact on them and give them the same kind of help that, that I've gotten from it. There is this surge of like, I can't believe that, that you're allowed to do this, that this is what life is about. The difference between the sun and the moon that are now driving us, is that the sun is that love that you feel. It's no longer, I should do this, or they said at church that I'm supposed to do this. This is when, uh, you know, if like a little two-year-old needs help with something, you just, of course I'm going to do that. It's when you're moved by compassion and love, and it feels really good when you get it. And they have these two things at once. You've got the sun. That's when that's happening. But the sun isn't always out. Sometimes it's faith. And how I would define faith is it's it's your, all of the ideas that you have that you follow to try to live the life that that love dictates for you. So you have to... The faith doesn't shine at all without the love. So we have that presence of, I know that the reason why I'm in the whole spirituality game or the whole religion game is because I want to live that life of love, which is the whole message of Jesus Christ. But there's times when we can't feel that love, but you can still, even when the sun's on the other side of the earth, you can still see the moon. You can still remember that these, this path, these ideas, these principles, this way of living I know that that will lead me back to this love. And it's those two things, your conviction and your love, that are now starting to give you not just the opportunity, but the chance to go and live this new life. And once we have that life in, everything else comes to life. It no longer is sort of a struggle and a drag to to try to lead the good life. It's now got a life of its own. So in day five, just like we had before, these shrubs and things were growing. Now God says, let the waters cause the creeping animal, a living soul, to creep out. And let the bird flit over the land, over the face of the expanse of the heavens. And God created the big sea creatures. When I was little, I used to love that phrase sea creatures. I just thought undersea life was the coolest thing in the world. So now we're getting them. it. And every living, creeping soul that the waters caused to creep out in all their kinds, and every bird on the wing of every kind. And God saw that it was good. So why is it the, f- the fish and the birds first? What about, you know, like, Donkeys why is it the fish and the birds first? Well it's because in our progression we always go from the mind first and then the heart. That the mind leads us to where we're trying to get to with the heart. So birds and fish are like, they, they, the way that they flit around, the way they interact is like the ideas we have. So this stage is about when our thinking and talking are starting to line up with what We know is good and right. This is sort of, you know, they say, well, you talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Day five is about just talking the talk, and that's a good and necessary step. In the fifth stage, we speak with conviction and in the process strengthen ourselves in truth and goodness. The things we then produce have life in them and are called the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens. So, this is when, even if you don't Always have it together. You can understand what together looks like, and you can start to communicate that, and it's not jumbled and strange, but it just it just makes sense. And I definitely I experience that all the time. Because I'll often be talking about meta moment, like right now, I'm trying to explain all of this to you about the days of creation, how we're supposed to live a good and spiritual life and be motivated by love. I'm not always motivated by love. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, sometimes I'm like right back in the void, but I'm starting to be able to get it. I'm starting to be able to feel this bit of a day five of, oh yeah, I can, anything that comes through, I know how that fits in to the big story that we're a part of here. So that's the life that we start to get, and that's really the the moon shining on us. And the next day, we're going to see what it's like when the sun shows up,
2: I'd like to introduce this this song put together. This is actually taken from the Bible verbatim, but it was the it's the Northern Aramaic Aramaic version of the Bible, which the word spirit in uh, Northern Aramaic can also mean pride. So in this version, that that's the only word that's been changed. is blessed are the poor in pride. This is the Beatitudes. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and he sat down, and his disciples drew near. He opened his mouth and he taught them these are the words which Blessed are the poor in pride For theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are the poor in pride For theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are the meek For they shall inherit the Blessed are those who are pure in their hearts, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be. Comforted, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of justice. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, but they shall be well satisfied. Blessed are the peacemakers they shall be called the sons of god blessed are the peacemakers they shall be called the sons of god blessed are you when they reproach you and when they persecute you and speak against you for a sake be glad Blessed are the merciful Unto them shall be mercy Blessed are the merciful Unto them shall be mercy You are indeed the light of the world You are indeed the salt of the earth you are indeed the light of the world. Let your light shine on everyone. Let your light shine on everyone. Let your light shine
0: I love that change to the poor and pride. I think that is absolutely just lets the meaning sit right out there. And I think that the whole song, that refrain, Blessed Are The, is saying this is leading somewhere good. This is leading somewhere good. That all this all this going to church and all this hearing these principles and trying to take those principles in and have them change the way that we live it's all trying to lead us to everyone to happiness that this is about life it's about blessings good things coming in and that's really where we're getting to in these last couple of days cuz now we've got think of how far we've come it was just a bunch of void and now we've got we got a whole marine ecosystem We've got birds, we've got dry land, we've got things really going in our life, but the steps that we get to take next are maybe as exciting as all the previous ones put together. So stage six is about the appearance of mammals and also people show up in here too. And God said, let the earth produce each living soul according to its kind, the beast and that which moves and the wild animal of the earth, and each according to its kind. And so it was done. And God said, let us make a human in our image after our likeness. So it's got to be something good. What, what state, what, what's showing up in our life? Because we we're always a person. But what's really making us human now? In the sixth stage, remember the fifth stage, we, we could speak and think with conviction. In the sixth stage, we act with conviction and therefore with love in speaking truth and doing good. Oh, okay, you're, you're into religion stuff? For this stage, you can, you can tell by the love that's coming through. There was a bit of theory before, but now everything that we know about trying to follow that path is leading to the first thing you feel when you get, get in contact with us when we're in this human stage is that there's, the, the point of all this is the love. All these things, all these ideas we've learned, all this spiritual growth, all this work on ourselves is to get us to the point where this love can come through and we can be acting in conviction on it. Because we begin to act as much from love as from conviction, we become spiritual people who are called God's image. You've heard we're in the image and likeness of God. In this step, step of creation, it says, let's make a human in our image. But it's not really you're in the image of God because you've got hands and arms. The image of God is you're, a, you're an experience of the same love that God has for everybody. And I know you've experienced that with someone, where it was the right person, right time, or maybe it's someone who over the course of a long time has really shown you love. That's the closest living picture we, we get of what God is like. So we can be this likeness of God in people's lives. Not only is this about making us full of life and full of happiness, but this is something that we can start to spread wherever we go. It goes on to say, in regard to our spiritual lives, we now find pleasure and nourishment in religious knowledge and acts of kindness, and these are called our food. It's not like vegetables anymore. I've got to go and do this. It may seem like you're on this never-ending hamster wheel of, okay, I'm living my life and this is sort of the stuff that is entertaining and fun to me, and then I've got to try to do this work on spiritual things and be nice and, like, all right, I'm going to try not to overreact to this thing. But it gets to the point where that's, that's our jam. That is what excites us. That is what, that's our main course. It's, it's exactly where Ebenezer Scrooge was in The Muppet Christmas Carol. In regard to our earthly lives, we still find, listen to this, listen to this about the sixth day. So I've been talking it up, but there is a bit of a catch still on the sixth day. In regard to our earthly lives, so our spiritual lives is when we're eating good things for food. In regard to our earthly lives, we still find pleasure and sustenance in things relating to the body and the senses, which cause strife until love takes charge and we develop a heavenly character. So in the sixth day, we've got this spiritual life going through us, but we've still got all our old stuff around. So there is this inherent conflict still in the sixth day. There's a lot of really good life and progress, and if I, if I can get myself to a six-day state, I'm really happy to be there. But I think we've all experienced where you have one moment, you are really feeling like this is good. I am, I'm really being who I think I should be. I'm proud of how I acted in that. I'm feeling this, maybe it's this peace or this se- sense of God exists or the connection with God, whatever it is for you personally. And that's so great. And then later that day, somebody honks at us and it's, it's gone. The sixth day, there's still both parts of us there. And because the, our egocentric part is, doesn't really, hasn't really gotten with the program, there's still this conflict that happens. Because notice, even in day six, we're not resting. God has not gotten to the day of rest. That comes in, well, there's only one day left. I hope it comes in day seven. So this is stage seven, This is even beyond when everything's alive and we can be this image and likeness of God. There's one final place that God is trying to bring us to where we'll finally find this completeness, the suspense. So this is what it's describing when it says, and on the seventh day, God completed the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and consecrated it because on it he rested. And it could kind of seem, when you're reading that story, like that's, God's done with us. God is saying, like, that was a lot of, you took a lot of work, and I'm going to go watch Netflix for a while and and recoup. But actually, the meaning of the resting is a lot cooler than that. A heavenly, uh, so before we became a spiritual person, in New Church Theology, it says there's even a stage you can get to past that, which is called being a heavenly person. A heavenly person is the seventh day, and since the Lord worked through six days, that individual is called His work. Conflict then comes to an end, and a result of which the Lord is said to rest from all His work. Life is going to be hard for six days, but the seventh day is when being heavenly is when Love, which is the same thing as God, takes the lead in our lives. That we talked about the sun and the moon. This is when the sun is shining, when nobody's having to tell you, go, go be nice, go do the right thing. You're not having to say, hey, I, hope I really need some help here. I'm having a hard day. This is when we're in such harmony with God. And God has, through this journey of life that we're on, worked with us, and we've learned, and we've grown to the point where that love is in us, and it protects us, and it shines out to other people. And that's when God is resting. It's not because God gets to be done and leaves, but because God is resting because we're at peace. And if you think about, could you ever really be at peace if your child is suffering in some way? Once God gets to the point where we are living this totally happy and free and loving and spontaneous and innocent yet wise life that we were intended for, that's when God is there in every moment with us, working with us more intimately than before, but there's this rest because the six days and all the struggles that we've had to go through in life are over. And this is a state that we can be working towards It does not, you don't have to die and go to heaven for it. This is something that we can be working towards right now. I I think, as I was saying in the beginning, we can experience little bits of it at times. This state when it's like a, a flow state, but a spirituality flow state when it's obvious that love is what matters and life seems peaceful and there's this trust and this palpable presence that God's there. That's the seventh day. And that is what, as you, as you're sitting there and slogging through the six days, just remember that the seventh is out there, and that's absolutely where God is going to take us. So let's take a moment and let that sink in. And as I said, this is a highly individualized journey. There's these these universal truths about it, but how this actually looks in even in my own life, I'm, I'm still piecing together exactly how it goes in your, in your lives, only that's between you and God, how it's really going to go. But I do think, take this, take the idea of these seven days with you, because I do think that you can start to see the progress as you go. So let's take a moment to just have a little prayer, and we'll kind of see if we can't get st- starting the linking in our hearts and minds of the ideas of these days, the journey we're going on with how our life has gone. So f- let's just take a, take like 60 seconds. Just reflect on the journey that you've gone on, like what the journey of your life. And just think about God hovering there over the face of the waters and trying to very skillfully and very gently and very lovingly. Keep us growing, advancing, and these things sprouting in you, like what are the fish in you? What, What are the plants? What's the dry land? When have things come to life for you? So just look in and see if you can get anything, any insight there. I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer, and you can say it with me, you can listen, uh, any of the above, and keep thinking about that connection. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Excited for you to keep going through the days and can't wait to see what kind of amazing creation you and God are, are working on together. So we'll wrap up with a song and hopefully you can take this out into, into your life. Thank you for, for chatting about this with me today.
1: to finish with a song by a great American songwriter, Hank Williams Sr., and we're delighted to have our good friend Ed Kramer accompany us on his five-string banjo. You may know this one and feel free to sing along. It's called I Saw the Light. sin. I will let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw like a blind man wandered along Worries and fears I claim for my own Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight Praise the Lord I saw So inside Traded the wrong for the right Praise the Lord, I saw the light Yeah, I saw the light, I saw the light No more darkness, no more night Now I'm so happy, no solo inside Claro. I saw the Everybody. Have a great week.